Hello, and welcome to the Retro Club. We're your hosts, John. And Megan. And we've got a special episode for you guys today. I know it sounds kind of weird right now. We're working on our uh, recording area, so (laughs) sorry for the weird sound. But uh, today's episode is actually a little special. We're not covering any, uh, well, a movie that's not out yet. Yeah, today we're actually going to be doing an interview with... Uh, Vin DeSanti yes. uh, from the Never Hike Alone series. He's your new and modern day Jason Voorhees, and we're really excited to give this to you guys. Uh, it took a little bit to get this set up, and he was really cool, so now we'll just turn it over to the interview. How you both doing today? Good. How you doing, man? Bad. Doing well. Um, just we, We're in the middle of a <clears throat> hurricane. Yeah, and uh, just had just had an earthquake, so doing pretty well out here oh. in California. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that when I was messaging you earlier, and I was like, "Oh no, I should just say, hey, if you need to move this, that's perfectly fine." It's not even bad. It, this is nothing. This is like a normal rainstorm where I'm from. So oh. okay. So Are you're you... actually from California? No, I'm actually from um, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're in the Midwest. We're here in Indiana. So <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's super fun here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of like this drought. It's mm. really hot. So yeah, you guys aren't you guys aren't at uh, Horror Hound this weekend? Is Horror Hound in? It's it's in Indy. Indy. It's in Indy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, horror... no, we couldn't make it. Not oh, this time. Okay. Plus, we yeah. wanted to be here for this. So. Oh great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll. We've already got it recording, but we'll go ahead and just jump in. And I apologize. Okay. This is our first interview together. So if it's like uh, bumbly, then whatever. <laughs> no, it's, this is perfectly fine. I've done all sorts of interviews. So whatever works, works. We're just sitting down having a conversation. So happen, yeah, happy cool. to be here okay. and, uh, and do this however. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, we'll definitely be using audio. I don't know about video yet, but just in case we've got it both going. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, we won't be doing the introduction. We'll just jump right in. Uh, we're here with Vincent DeSanti. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, and you are the director and also star in Never Hike Alone. Yes, that would the be The series. Yeah. The series, that's right, yes, yeah. yeah. This is the new J-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The J-Man for new generation. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to be talking about Never Hike Alone 2 which is coming out October, Friday, the 13th in October. So how long has that been planned out? Because I know Never Hike Alone came out in 2017. Yeah, uh, Never Hike Alone released in 2017. That project started as early as, I believe, either 2013 or 2014 when it was first wow. conceptualized. And we did a uh, a version of it that I never released public because it just wasn't a lot of the shots weren't focused. It just wasn't a complete piece. It wasn't something we I could release and be proud of. So I went back to the drawing board and we got started again on Never Hike Alone 1 in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took about a year and a half to film it. And then a uh, year and a half to film it and complete it. And we released it on Friday the 13th in October of 2017. Never Hike Alone 2 has been in the works since roughly then. Okay. Um more i would say more aggressively starting in 2018 when um you know i had an original version of the never hike alone 2 script that was a full feature length film um it was a little bit different than what we're doing now um the point was we were pitching it to studios 
Um, At the time, uh, Friday the 13th had just started its transfer back from Paramount to Warner Brothers and New Line. If uh, fans remember, in uh, around 2008, Paramount bought the rights back to to Friday the 13th and had 10 years to make films, made one, had five others go under the the wayside. And so when it went back to New Line, they were looking for what to do with it. Um, the lawsuit had just started up, but it was coming to a, the first round of it was coming to a conclusion. I believe Victor had already won. They started hearing pitches again. We took Never Hike Alone 2 in as a pitch to a few different places, um, was pitching around. And then the second round of the lawsuit came kicking around eventually. Um, so when that shut us down, um, Basically, what I came to is I had uh, what I was pitching wasn't necessarily a feature film that I thought would get picked up by the studios and go to the theaters because I said, hey, listen, I'm going to I'm going to be a little, you know, self, you know, I know how big I actually am in this industry. I know that I'm not, you know, somebody who can come in and start pitching features and things like that. I I was sort of like looking at streaming as a way to be like, let me go play on streaming. Like you guys go figure out a movie, you go do that. I got this idea for a streaming series where I could break this Never Hike Alone 2 script up into multiple episodes and I could spread it out over the course of, you know, maybe a couple of seasons and we could sprinkle it in with other stories that were sort of based on Never Hike Alone where you could bring in, you know, five or six directors for a, you know, a season and you would have them tell five or six different Friday the 13th Tales, sort of like professional fan films. Just let some of the industry's best and up-and-coming directors take a shot at Friday the 13th any way they want to do it, as long as it falls into the purview of what you own. Mm-hmm. Um, and Never Hike Alone would be one of the things that are, are thread throughout those stories. And I would just get one episode. I get to dedicate it to the Never Hike Alone stuff and be able to continue it on that way. Um, when the the lawsuit came through, the the last meeting that I was going to go into, which was a pretty big, important one, ended up getting canceled. And I said, OK, I, the, the backup plan to this was to always go into crowdfunding with it. I didn't want to have to do that if I didn't have to. If, I mean, obviously, studio funding is a lot easier to deal with, maybe in some ways. Uh, mm-hmm. But getting the resources you need and all of those things, I was ready to go down the path of going through the studio versus, you know, having to do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. But the backup plan was... I'm going to do a web series. We're going to take this Never Hike Alone 2 script. I'm going to partner it and pair it with this, you know, this snow concept that I have. And it's going to be a four part series that's going to, you know, tell over the course of of a certain time. So around 2019, we announced um, the Never Hike in the Snow uh, episode, which was going to be the first installment of a four part series. We had shot the Disappear music video, which we had done over a weekend, you know, for a couple thousand bucks and we're able to put together with our friends. Um, and you know, for all intents and purposes, we were like marching along. We got never hiking the snow up. We ended up shooting that, uh, we finished it and then we went into COVID. And so, right. yeah. uh, COVID sort of, yeah. And so COVID ended up taking the never hike alone, t- the never hike alone web series, which it was supposed to be four episodes. It was never hike in the snow, never hike again. Jason takes crystal Lake and the final hike. And those are going to split up into four different campaigns, hopefully raising between 50 and a hundred grand per each. Uh, but what never hike in the snow ended up teaching us was that we had a lot more fans than we thought we did. Never hike in the snow raised almost $125,000 to oh, wow. make ultimately, you know, a 25 minute TV level ish pilot episode for what it yeah, was. It was be. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, but the unfortunate part with COVID was it delayed production. So now we're in 2020. 
we got to wait for the pandemic to be over. You know, what was it? 15 days to flatten the curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two years later, um, right. you know, we, we come out of the COVID um, in, in Hollywood where I was, where I'm, I was living in LA at the time I was stuck in COVID times in Los Angeles, yes. you know, the entire industry shut down. Um, when we came back up, we had an entire new round of protocols on how to, on how to film. I mean, we were testing three days a week. We were testing every other day on set. We were wearing masks on set. There was PPE. There was a whole nother department called um, COVID compliance, which was added to shows. And if you were a SAG production, you needed to have a COVID compliance officer. You needed to do all these things. So for an independent film that needs every single dollar to go on screen, it wasn't, there wasn't much justification for us to say, Oh, we're going to go out and film and waste $10,000 on COVID compliance. Like if I'm going to have $10,000, that's going into killing somebody on my screen. Like I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm not going to go get masked with that. Like I'm, I'm all about keeping people safe, but I have, you know, if fans give me money to give them a film, I owe them as much on screen as possible and not what's going on behind the screen. So we ended up waiting and since we waited so long and since our fan base grew so much, we said, you know what, let's do the feature again. Let's put these scripts back together into one fell swoop, like the straight up sequel to Never Hike Alone 1. If the, you know, if the story's just continued, um, you know, Never Hike in the Snow still counts. It counts in a big way. You sort of have to watch it. And yes. so Never Hike Alone, the ghost cut has sort of become Never Hike Alone part one. Okay. Really in sense of like, what is the first part of this story? This is the first part of the story. This is everything that's sort of happening outside of Tommy's world. These are the things that are happening to people and affecting other people because Tommy accidentally brought Jason back to life in Friday the 13th part six and never hike alone Two is really the culmination of what has Tommy been doing all of these years? Why can't he find Jason? And what happens when he finally does find Jason? What's he going to do about it? And that's those are the questions that I think fans have had for the Never Hike Alone series ever since we started releasing them, like the end of Never Hike Alone 1, Jason chasing the ambulance, going into the, the forest, the end of Never right. Hike in the Snow, Jason killing Officer Mabry and getting away with the murder, um, you know, and, and Tom sort of serving as this background character that sort of pops up in these stories. Now we finally get to tell the story of Tommy Jarvis. I mean, we had 16 days of shooting for Never Hike Alone and and. Tom was on set for 15 of those. Wow. So he's in just about every single scene aside from when we cut away to, you know, a few other characters, but mostly everyone comes into contact with Tom eventually. And, and Tom sort of runs the show, which is really, really nice. So yeah, we, we raised the money for never hike alone too. In the spring of 2022, we were supposed to shoot in the summer of 2022 had a major scheduling conflict that came up, had to push all the way back to spring of 2023, had another scheduling conflict come up, and we ended up filming throughout the summer of 2023. So uh -huh. it has been, I mean, I think just like the Friday the 13th series, if you really think about it, it everything is so cursed right now that, you know, we got to <laughs> film in 2009. We had five, four or five projects get delayed or canceled. You know, the video game get canceled or, you know, shut down at the puzzle. Game I actually want to talk down. to you about that. So that's perfect. Yeah, We'll definitely jump into that. Um, and you know, the, the new TV series is delayed because of the writer's strike. Yeah. You know? So it just seems that like every time Friday the 13th goes to make its way towards screen, a lot of things get in the way, but luckily I have a very dedicated team. I've been very dedicated to, we have a very dedicated fan base. It allowed us to raise more money, extend the length of the film, add pieces to the film. So in the long run, it's sort of worked out. It's just taken a long time to get here, but I'm very excited 
you know, after all this time, we're going to end up debuting on the same Friday the 13th that we debuted the first film, the Friday yeah. the 13th in October, which this mm-hmm. is the first Friday the 13th in October since 2017. So if you think about if, if you like sort of things that round out about that way in life or you find sort of patterns in life, I kind of cool. find it serendipitous that we're landing on that date. And it's mm-hmm. been a long, arduous road to get here. It's been very, very hard. Um I won't lie. It has not been easy at all, but we have fought through all of the challenges. And, you know, now we, now we're sitting in the reward system right now of it. You know, we're in editorial, we're cutting the film, we're seeing what we shot. We're really excited about what we want to share with our fans and just marching towards that deadline. And we have a lot of work to do in the next six weeks before the film releases, but we're excited and we can't wait for people to see it. Nice. All right. All right. Well, that's all good stuff. Do you have a, fr- a favorite movie in the series? Yeah, my favorite movie is Friday the 13th, part six. Bye. Same. Six. Okay. Jason Lives, that's the best one. <laughs> and anybody that's never seen the movie, especially the beginning, uh, you got to watch just the beginning with the the whole graveyard scene in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it looks yeah, just like a Frankenstein movie. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's really, I don't know really if cool, it's yeah. the female aspect, but I kind of just go with the original. I think the first one with Pamela, uh, mm-hmm. just that unexpected, you know, you don't see female serial killers. So especially to have her pop out like that was intense for the time, you know, which it's hard to scare people nowadays, which kind of brings me to my next question. You you say you have a, a large fan base, which is great, but how do you deal with the naysayers or the, you know, the hardcore fans were like, that's not right. Jason wouldn't do that or, you know, things like it's that. It's no aspect with something I, I knew people were like really weirded out by. And I was like, I don't know, man, you got to wonder what happens at the camp when the camp's not running. Yeah, no, I think for me, like, first and foremost, I'm a huge fan. So I have to answer to myself first. Like when I was making Never Hike Alone right. and I knew I only had one guy and there were... It wasn't a body count movie. All the things that were working against me. I was the first one in line going, I have to overcome the fact that Friday the 13th is going to have an expectation. So really what it comes down to is just sort of having a good plan of execution that if I'm not going to have a body count, you know, never hike alone one, I have to have something else that takes its place. And what took its place were two things. One, the ability to do what they no other film has done, which is really look around the camp really go back through the history and look at it and take fans on a tour of camp, which makes it interesting. And we get to go through the old crime scene. So we get to kind of like, there's not a body count, but we're going through the different, you know, tags, which take us through the kills from the original film, which sort of reminds me of one of the original trailers where it's like one, two, (laughs) three, you know what I mean? So we kind of had that aspect of it. We had the aspect of, Jason does get blows in on Kyle that in previous Friday the 13th films would have killed people, but he gets up and keeps going. And instead of kill scenes, we have fight scenes. So the sort of, as long as we could keep that interesting and keep the suspense up and keep the, the tension going, that was going to replace sort of the other things that usually it's a tension release and kill. Um, we were sort of tension release and fight set up for next tension. And so it's kind of a recycling thing, which is something new. And I think that fans who love the formula are also, if they're like me, we could use something a little different. The yes. formula is a little boring. Like 2009, I just sort of felt like, uh, yeah, it's the <clears throat> same, but it's just, I'm not, mm, I don't know. And it's so like I think recycled movie. Yeah. And so, and, and beyond that, like, as far as like, 
naysayers or anybody you know doesn't get fan films you know there's a lot of people that you just can't reach i mean they're just you know they're just they're lost causes and the the positive feedback from never hike alone has been so over the top that really just drowns that out like yeah you know every now and then somebody says oh one guy sucks or blah blah blah." and like we have you know (laughs) other people that just like talk shit to talk shit Yeah. yeah but you know, at the same time, like I look at, I just look at sort of what the film has done. You cannot argue with the impact that we've had. You cannot argue with the numbers we've done on crowdfunding, the sort of things that we've been invited to. There's, it's just, I could sit down and focus on the negatives all day, but honestly, like I really haven't had to deal with that much. And it's, I, I really think that we've been blessed in the sense that, you know, the fans have really taken to it, even though there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't want to. And those that don't are really in the minority at this point. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll be honest, when you first jumped on my radar, when I was playing Friday the 13th, the game, mm-hmm. I'd followed that from the time it was summer camp before oh, Sean wow. Cunningham yeah, yeah, yeah. was offered offered the, the rights to it, the gun. And then shortly, I, you jumped in, what, about a year in when they came in and started talking to you about it yeah i mean i'm trying to think about how it ended up happening um i have to kind of unlock that memory they were i saw summer camp and i was thinking about donating to it and then i lost track of it and then it popped back up as friday the 13th and i was right in i ended up back Mm -hmm. i was i'm a backer in the game i'm in the counselor computer i was find me in the you find me in the counselor (laughs) computer um and then what happened i can't remember if i probably messaged them but they may have messaged me back and just said, Hey, we love what you're doing with never hike alone. That's really cool. We're a bunch of fans too. We started the same way. Is there any way we can help you? And this is like coming from Ronnie. Um, and you know, Ronnie was the one who sort of reached out and started to establish sort of a back and forth with me. I ended up getting to meet Wes. Um, and you know, it was just sort of a, we just started keeping in touch. They were in, they were in production. I was in production. We were both sort of working on stuff. The game came out maybe four months before the release of Never Hike Alone, which is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good experience of getting to meet Ronnie, getting to meet the the team. Eventually, um, they ended up inviting me down to, they were at a place called the House of Moves where they do their, uh, their mocap. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff and i had actually done work there before i had been a part of a couple of productions we've shot down at house of moves i've shot bts there all this stuff and so i was like hey i know where that is like can i come down and watch and they were like yeah come on down came down hung out and the next thing you know they're like hey we're ahead of schedule if you guys have any ideas for kills like come up with stuff so i was down there there's like a few other gamers down there some mm-hmm. people and so my mind just started going and i had i had not met kane at that point like, I think I had met Kane once at that point, but this was the first time I really got to kind of talk to Kane and mm-hmm. just, you know, pitching with Kane, pitching with Ronnie, who ended up coming with the free kick kill. So yep. the free kick kill was technically supposed to be called Never Hike Alone. Um, oh. But the legal department uh, <laughs> shot that down. Uh, <laughs> so they ended up calling it free kick. It was one of the last things to go into the game, which was a really cool thing. Um <laughs> And yeah, so it was just, you know, and ever since then, you know, we've just been keeping in touch. I'm really excited. They got Texas Chainsaw coming out this week. I don't yeah, have my PlayStation out. with me, so <laughs> I haven't been able to play it yet. But it looks, I'm, I'm sure if it's just like Never Hike, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, not Never Hike. If it's just like the game, it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, and then, you know, honestly, like if it wasn't Friday the 13th, the game, I probably wouldn't have got into the Telluride Horror Show. I was playing mm. Friday the 13th, the game when 
friends of mine had asked what the plan for release was. And I had said YouTube, but that I wanted to do a screening. And if I could do a screening anywhere in the country, I'd do it at Telluride Horror Show. And it, I'm, I'm not even kidding. There just so happened to be one of the lead people from Telluride Horror Show in that game with me. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I pitched him the movie while we were playing and I ended up emailing him afterwards and setting up. And that's how it got started. We got connected through Friday the 13th, the game. So I don't know. It, it was it, it's really it, it was a very crazy serendipitous year and things just keep happening like that with the project. But it's been been amazing. I love the game. I miss that. Same. You know, I miss that we're going to miss out on so many things that could have happened with it. Um, you know, maybe one day when people feel better and there's more money going around they can reboot it somehow for the next gen but for now it's just one of the one of the uh, probably the greatest casualty to the lawsuits i would say yeah because so many people even people that were involved in the movies that did mocap work and things like that they they said it was a huge loss too and it really sucks because they did the fox character and a couple of others and even tommy tom matthews came back to do the work for the Tommy in the game. Mm-hmm. And that really sucks for him because that's, he's my favorite Tommy. So <laughs> me too. I mean, and yeah, it, it, it really is a shame. I know that they had a lot more in store too. Like, I don't want to spoil anything and I don't want to speak out of turn. I think all I could say is that like, I mean, they had more Jason's down the coming down the line. That wasn't where they were. That isn't like, you know, they weren't stopping at all. They had so much content and like mm-hmm. there was stuff that I didn't know about. They just told me like there's other stuff coming, like other people that design stuff. Like we got other people working with us, you know, and that's when like the rumors started that like there would be a possible like ghost Jason in the game or like, that's what I was gonna comic, ask. you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I had asked Ronnie flat out about it. I said, what's it going to take to get Ghost Jason in the game? He says, listen, I, and that's when he came out. He was like, listen, I got like a line of shit that I got to get done. <laughs> we get through that line of shit. We'll see where we're at and then we'll talk about it. But that's as far as it went. It was a we're open to discussion. We would like to include any and all things in here, but there is a limit of what we can do and it has to be able to bring money. And so, you know, I just kind of kept that in the back of my head. I mean, like, you let me know how much it is and I'll crowdfund for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I will go, right. I'll be like, let's get Ghost Jason in there. Let's do it. Let's do whatever it takes. And everybody who donates gets a Ghost Jason. And that would make the most sense, right? Like it's a very simple exchange here. <laughs> right. Um because honestly, the Never Hike Alone camp, adding Kyle McLeod, adding Ghost Jason to the game would have been a fucking great extension package. <laughs> you could have made a really yeah. cool level out of it. Um <laughs> it's really sad that we never got to do it but we did get added to the 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 friday the 13th mobile puzzle game which is pretty cool so i was gonna ask jason and kyle are in that um which is in the same way i mean i think i texted those guys at blue wizard they were like we're looking for like you could get in the game i was like what do you guys think about taking ghost jason and kyle and that's the cool thing about this is that like when i email people a lot of the times i feel like well here i am just taking a shot in the dark and then you email people they're fans just like you and they happen to be fans of never hike alone they're like, we love that movie. Yeah, that's a perfect idea. Hell yeah. <laughs> so they ended up delayed, you know, they just basically built it all behind the scenes, built it before the lawsuit stuff went in. And when they released it, we were, you know, months ahead of the game with it and ended up getting in the in the thing. And it again, it's just part of that cool ride. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't get into doing any of this for that. All I wanted to do was make something that people responded to and liked. And the fact that... um the fact that people, you know, dig it, the fact that they've, you know, 
they funded, you know, a prequel and a sequel, um, you know, not just funded a sequel, but, you know, we're closing in on like a $300,000, you know, goal on wow. you know our crowdfund still. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. And to think about that and the fact that fans took, you know, essentially we took $250,000 out of what we actually get back from Indiegogo. Um, and we turned it into a feature film. I mean, that's, that's pretty special. You don't, you don't see that happening a lot. Um, so it's, it's, it's cool, but there's also a ton of pressure that comes with it. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, be careful what you wish for, but at the end of the day, it's always, <laughs> once you get it out and it's done, that's when it's kind of, you can kind of sit back and breathe. But until then it's been a couple years worth of like, all right, we just got to make it through the next, next big friggin' hurdle and, uh, and see what we can do next. Yeah. So how hard was it to get Tom Matthews on board or what did it take to get a hold of him? It wasn't, it wasn't all that hard. It was, um, it happened to be through a mutual friend. Um, you know, this guy, Barry J came on to be our executive producer on Never Hike Alone One. He ended up mm -hmm. having a mutual friend that introduced him to Tom Matthews, you know, as a favor, uh, because he was a big Friday the 13th fan. It was sort of like, Hey, uh, for a birthday present, I got you a dinner with Tom Matthews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool um and at that dinner he mentioned about never hike alone pitched it to tom and tom really wasn't interested in fan films at the time but he said you know but he showed them um barry had showed tom our first trailer and he said there's something here i'd, I'd like to talk to these guys we sat down for a meeting i showed him the second trailer and that's when he went what do you need from me what can i do <laughs> and we came up with the idea for the um for the ambulance driver and it was you know it was really just sort of like we're going to have you make this brief cameo i don't want to take too much of your time i don't know how much of you i can actually afford um but one day we'll get it out we won't tell anybody about it and you'll be this big surprise at the end of the film and he dug that and mm -hmm. you know long story short i think that ended up being the best you know strategy that would work for us because we made people come and show up to watch never hike alone and if they stuck through all the way to the end, they were rewarded, you know, mm -hmm. with seeing what I think Friday the 13th fans have really wanted in the last 30 years, which is to see Tommy come back. Yeah. If you want to going off in all these new directions, like just bring Tommy back and we'll be happy. So we did that. Um, and his experience from not only like working with us on set and seeing how we work and then seeing the way the fans reacted, you know, Tom went back out into the world because he does a lot of conventions. He, you know, he's I, every time I talk to him, he's always traveling to some part of the country or world where he's doing, you know, a convention, signing autographs, doing all those things. And fans come up to him and tell him stories about how happy they were seeing him in Never Hike Alone. And, you know, when I had mentioned to say, like, hey, man, I got the, like I had this idea that I was going to bring you into Never Hike Alone eventually, like if, you know, all things worked out. But. I have this idea. Do you want to go all in on it with me? And he said, let's do it. And so I ended up writing the screen. You know, I pitched him the idea for Never Hike Alone 2. He was all in on it. And ever since then, anytime I call Tom and I say, hey, listen, I got an idea. This is how we're going to do it. Yada, yada, yada. He's like, sign me up. I'm in. You know, and and so it's it's just really cool because you know, like you, Tom, huge, huge fan of him. Um, he was a hero of mine growing up. Like Tommy Jarvis was as big as He-Man yeah. and Superman to me. You know what I mean? Like it was, right. he was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Yeah. He was just one of the, the one of the characters that I idolized. Um, so to be able to work with Tom and be a collaborator and a friend with him now is is really sort of one of the coolest aspects of this whole journey is the fact that, you know, it has 
not only been an, an ability for me to express my fandom for the Friday the 13th world, but it's put me in contact with the people who've made it. And I've had all these wonderful experiences with different alumni, whether it be, you know, cast or crew directors where I've got to sit down and really pick their brain in a way that, you know, I think has been a very special experience and and sort of sort of been the uh, the icing on the cake for me because we don't make any money from this. But at the end of the day, it's it's unlocked this world where I've been able to live sort of a different Friday the 13th fans experience, mm-hmm. if that means sense, because it's sort of like I'm not an official Friday the 13th member, but they sort of let me slip behind the scenes with them <laughs> in yeah. a way. They allow me to sort of cross the gate and kind of hang out. But I know where I stand, you know, as a fan filmmaker, but it's just nice to have like a, an all access pass, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there a chance of any other alumni making appearances in the future or is it just uh, for now? no comment? I mean, oh, there's, okay. there's Tom, there's Tom, obviously there's Tom, there's, uh, there's Vinny. And then, uh, we did announce that, uh, Doug Tate is, uh, is, is in Never Hike Alone too. Okay. In the past, we've had, uh, you know, Tracy, uh, Tracy Savage has re- reprised her role as, as a, as a reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, she will be in Never Hike Alone too as well. Okay. You know, so we do have that. Um, I don't know if that was a, I don't know if we're announcing that right now, but. <laughs> I mean, that could be like, we've done it before. We've had, you know, Deb Voorhees has helped me out before with voiceover, Adam Marcus, Ron Sloan, Cindy Kanai, you know, Cindy, uh, who played the um, the fiance in Friday the 13th, part six, who gets killed in the park and they get skewered mm-hmm. on the on the motorcycle. That's Vinnie Guastafara's wife. Oh. Um, she's also the mother in one of our short films, Pathosis. Um, and she is also in Dylan's New Nightmare, which comes out at the end of August. And I'm um, excited about that. So we, you know, so we definitely try to keep it in the family, the people who have been supportive to us, you know, Vinny and Tom and Doug was one of the first alumni to reach out to me and say, you know, excellent work. Love what you did. would love to work with you one day. We've been trying to get him to work on one of these since never hike in the snow. So um, <laughs> it's just been, you know, you know, obviously, you know, I got to work on 13 fanboy and I met a ton of alumni through that, like. Um, you know, now, you know, I've got to fight Kane Hodder. I got to fight CJ Graham. It's like, it's kind of like a really cool, uh, it's really, it's a really cool sort of story of where, where this has all gone for, as far as like meeting alumni and things like that. And I always look for opportunities for the alumni that I have met to sort of make appearances where it makes sense, but I definitely don't want to get accused of, oh, you're just packing them in there and just making them show up to show up. Like I want them when they show up to for it to be a surprise but I also want it to feel like it makes sense that they're showing up. Yes, this is this is a great, you know, it isn't like, oh, we're going to stop the movie so this person can walk in and buy a coffee. Like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, did you have any questions? Uh, how tall are you, by the way? <laughs> I am 6'3". Right. Okay, <laughs> that answers my question because <clears throat> when I look at C.J. Graham, he is what I think of when I think of Jason Voorhees. And then I was going to ask you if you there's ever going to be plans for you to play Elias. Because if Elias? the series ever asked you and you didn't turn and you turn it down, I'd be really upset. <laughs> um, I have a very specific version of Elias. So, I mean, yeah, if they asked me to do anything. I would show up if Peacock called me up and said, Hey, we want you to play a young Elias Voorhees. I'd be like, hell yeah. I'd be like, I'm down. Um, <laughs> Because seeing these new movies, like you're the only one I see doing it now. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I you know, I think there's lots of there's lots of good actors out there that could do a good job. And I mean, I would want to be on the creative side too. Um right. writing, directing, um, 
but you know, obviously being able to play a role, if I get to play Jason, I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think in my head, it, I do have a, I have a backstory for Pamela that involves Elias that I would be at the proper age for it to play Elias in that scene. Actually. Um, that'd be kind of funny to, to go and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have kind of a different story. I think than most people really think of, I, I, I think what most people think of is sort of what was in the video game with the Tommy tapes or the Pamela tapes. And then there's, mm-hmm. um, there's also like the crystal Lake, uh, there's Pamela's, um, Pamela's tale. And all of them paint Elias as this like evil hulking, drunk, guy. hulking <laughs> a-hole who like beat the crap out of Pamela and all this stuff. And I just feel like those people who wrote those stories never paid attention to the behind the scenes material, because if you go back and read what Betsy Palmer said about her origin story is that the father was a high school sweetheart who denied the pregnancy right. and then left her to raise the child and then went off and lived his own life. So I feel like that's not, I mean, he's not a good person, like, or he may be a decent person in most of his life, but he made a bad decision and he went off to live his life and she went off to live her life and, and their lives went in two different directions. I don't think that they were, they're cult worshiping or anything like that. I think that it, it's, yeah, it's, it's all pretty much the, stuff. all the deadite stuff. All that yeah, it jumps stuff. the shark for me. Really just jumps in. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they, these are people that live in a real world. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that it's sort of you have to base some of it in reality. And I think when you go to the cliche things of like, oh, well, he's just he's an abusive drunk and all these different things. I think it just sort of we've seen it before. I've seen it before. Yeah. I've seen it in other stories. And all you're doing is just applying it to Friday the 13th. And it doesn't really fit like you got to think outside the box. So I, I don't want to spoil anything because my my hope is that I can write these stories and put them in short story form and release them one day so people can sit down and get a no-spoiler approach to it. But it's sort of, you know, these are human stories, just like the Never Hike Alone series. Like, yes, they're fantastical stories about this revenant that lives in the forest that tries to kill people, but the stories in between them are people or these stories are grounded in reality. Like if you remove Jason from the from the story and you put in a bear or you put in you know, some other element that's out there hunting these people, it still fits. And and the emotional roller coasters that everybody's on still makes a lot of sense. Um, it just so happens that Jason is, it happens to be the, the, the antagonist in it. Um, and it's the same thing with, with Pamela and Elias and, and sort of like their, their story. And I would love to tell that story. I, I think it's kind of one of the, it, I found a way to not only tell that story, but also wrap it into Tommy McLaughlin's sort of, you know, unused scene of eventually Elias showing up down the line. But, yeah. you know, as far as him being supernatural or having any ill will or just being an evil person in, in general, like none of that applies. It's, it's actually a very sad, emotional story about this guy um, and sort of why he would do the things that he would do um in that context but it really has to come down to like sort of this one story between him and pamela that uh one day i will i will pen it out um and i'll make it part of like a, a short thing that i release either on a special edition blu-ray like maybe we'll do like a voiceover with some you know images and things like that um or an audio book or, or you know something along those lines but um i don't think we'd ever have the money to, to film it but if we ever did film it yeah i'll play a lesson <laughs> oh, good deal so do you prefer being behind the camera or 
how do you feel about playing Jason? Because I know you don't technically have any speaking lines or anything like that. It's all, you know, in your action. But which do you prefer, would you say? It depends. Um, if I had to pick one role, I would want to direct. I love directing. I love being behind the camera. I love telling story through the, the visual side of it. Um, I do have to say that I do share the role with Brian Forrest. I have a stunt double. So there's okay. certain things on on days that are a little bit more technical, where the camera works more technical. There's more fighting. There's more things that kind of go on. And we only have a short window to film. Uh, Brian and I will share that experience. Brian will do a lot of the heavy lifting on some of those days where it's just like, all right, action, 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 action. Get out there and do that. I handle a lot of the stuff in Jason that's like, yeah, he doesn't speak, but there's a lot of emotion in the body language. Right. There's a lot that rides on how Jason just moves out in the open when he's not fighting, when he's just, even when he's just standing there looking, there are just certain <laughs> cues, you know, you know, the body posture, things like that, that it's just, I can explain that to Brian all day, or I can just be there and I can do it. And Brian does a good job of studying me. We talk back and forth for a lot of those things. We keep, you know, Jason sort of his intensity is Jason up when he has to step in and do those roles. Um, and I have a lot of fun in costume playing stuff. Like I've done Michael Myers for fan films. I, you know, I got to play the killer in 13 fanboy. Honestly, like if I would love to split the two things, I would love to just direct something and just be the director. And then I would love to just be an actor for someone else who's directing. And honestly, like acting for me is a lot easier from the standpoint of I'm not worried about when we're going to lunch i'm not worried about how much money's being spent that day you know that i get all my shots but i'm not worried about anything all i'm worried about is what am i doing in this scene what do you want me to say what do you want me to do mm-hmm. i can do that you let me know when you're ready and i'm just going to go over <laughs> here and look on my phone for a little bit and you know like i got that experience on you know when i get to play you know michael myers for Cortland gordon when he did happy halloween that was one of the, you know, and even on 13 Fanboy, it was just nice. I just put on my mask, walk off set, go get comfy, just wait. It's such a great existence. It's so <laughs> yeah. much, it's just such a, and and for me, I don't know, I have a knack for memorizing dialogue. It doesn't take me much. I mean, there was one time I showed up on the set of 13 Fanboy and Lar Park Linking like rewrote the entire scene. From seven? She was like, she had, uh, yeah. And so she basically wanted to do this like kind of thing and added it into the script. And I didn't know about it till I got to set, literally had to learn my lines during rehearsal, but I got them. Now in this scene, I'm also wearing a mask. You know, I got the eye makeup on. Um, she's trying to stab me with an actual metal shiv and I got to catch it with one hand. Remember all these lines and all this stuff. But there's something about it that it just feels like once the camera's rolling, you just lock in and go. And I'm not saying I'm a great actor by any means. I have a long way to go as far as being able to probably keep up with like, you know, doing bigger and better things. But I had a lot of fun doing that. And it, it's, I don't know, I, I I like acting. I don't do it enough, um, but I wish I did it more. And it, it's it's a lot of fun. But at, at, you know, at the other end of it, like I'm a, I'm a storyteller. And I think all of that comes out of storytelling. The acting comes out of storytelling, having to act things out for my own stories when I do that. So that's where my acting kind of comes from. But I, I, there's nothing like sitting behind a camera and having all of those things there and the reward of saying that like, bam, like this is a story. This is like the entire story that we've come up with. I'm presenting it to the audience. They're going to react to 
the entire piece. Whereas like when I'm in a film, I'm more like, I hope I don't screw up my part. <laughs> I just right. hope I add to it. So yeah. there's just, it's different reward systems for when you do either one. Right. Yeah. I had a, a group of friends growing up in high school. We actually made our own films, which will never see the light of day. We did like a, a scream spoof and some other stuff, a zombie movie, just silly stuff. We were like 16, 17 years old making these films and uh heavy on the heavy on the trauma (laughs) (laughs) so uh i wonder when did you start getting into film and wanting to make movies i mean as soon as i could pick up a camera we were always doing something with the camera um even in middle school me and my friend used to do we took over the morning announcements we turned it from you know the morning announcements at westport middle school to the chris and Vinny show um and would do fun stuff and learned about like in-camera cutting and different things like that um you know always goofing around and then um you know and then in you know I was always like the the film nerd I was a jock you know I played a lot of sports but you know my first inclination of what I thought was going to be was I thought that I was going to go play major league baseball and then I I was going to get like a good seven eight years in the league bouncing around playing for different teams maybe make a decent amount of money and then get right into broadcast journalism that was my goal i was like play a little bit of sports get a little bit of cred and become that guy who can become the color commentator for a team and like kind of hang out be like you know what i play ball and have one of those i thought i like i had a very vivid kind of dream that that was what it was going to be and in college i um fell out of love with journalism um, I had kind of bounced around a different couple different schools. I was, you know, my baseball career was winding down. I was having injury problems and, you know, realizing some truths about the league and things like that, about what I was going to need to do in order to get there and facing the injury hurdles that I had. I was like, you know, if my friends are barely surviving out there and they're really, really good, maybe, maybe this isn't the right for me. And I happened to end up taking an editing class, mostly because I wanted to learn how to edit for my own personal um from personal enjoyment i fell in love with it and i was like oh oh yeah like now that i can do this now it's kind of like i can do what i always wanted to do with filmmaking and it brought me into filmmaking and i realized that like film was an actual potential of a career i had a friend working out in la who was you know working on big films um as a visual effects artist Mm -hmm. so use that hookup got a job you know, moved out to LA and never looked back after that. And that was like in 2008, I just sort of like, I realized that if I couldn't do journalism, I wasn't going to do that side of it. It may be fun just to be on set. And that's when I moved out to LA and just sort of gave it a shot. And I've been here almost 16, 17 years, um, you know, made a nice career out of it. And out of it was able to learn the school, the the skill, uh, (laughs) learn the skills that I needed to do to, uh, to make Never Hike Alone. Yeah has uh sean cunningham ever reached out to you said anything to you or anything like that i have met sean i can't say how many times now and he never remembers who i am and he okay. never he never admits to knowing a friend never hike alone is i've been in the room when people have said like this is vincent DeSanti. he directed never hike alone he goes what's never hike alone oh come on and i don't know if he's like joking around i've met him at i've been to his house i've done um i've sat in a director's workshop with him i've met him at different events he's a really nice guy he's been very very sweet to me i just think that he's got too many things in his life that are far more important than fan films um and so it's there so no he's cool i've met victor miller as well 
um, who has come out and said that like he doesn't mind fan films, like they don't really bother him all that much. Um, so it's nice to get sort of a thumbs up from the two people that are most litigious yeah. uh, in, in the thing. Um, and you know, and but yeah, I mean, Sean. You know, obviously we wouldn't have Friday the 13th without Sean. We wouldn't have Friday the 13th without Victor. But we also wouldn't have Friday the 13th without Steve Miner coming up with the Jason character that we all know and love. You know, Tom Savini coming up with a lot of the things that he added to Friday the 13th that without him, who knows that the first film is as popular as it is. You know, designing Jason into a mongoloid. uh, You know, all these different things. So, um, it's a real... Yeah, and you know, yeah, Tasso and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it. You know, for me, obviously, you got to pay respects to the people that come up with the core concept of it. But at the same time, Friday the Thirteenth is a, as a whole, is the is the product of multiple directors and actors and personalities who have carried the franchise for years. Kane Hodder, you know, Larry Zerner. You know, these people, they're very vocal in, in the Friday the 13th world who, you know, right. when there was legal trouble going on, who was on Twitter telling everybody how what was going on? It was Larry. Who, When Friday the 13th was starting to fade, who was at all the conventions signing autograph and taking pictures? Kane. Kane. You know, so, and Kane didn't even come in until the seventh movie. <laughs> so, you know, you got the Frank Man, you got the Mancuso family who really were the godfathers of Friday the 13th, making, producing all of these films and making them happen. Horror Inc., which isn't just Sean, there's other people involved with it there as well. Um, Frank Mancuso yeah, I mean, it, Jr., especially. Yep, yeah, yeah, Mancuso Jr., who I mean, really got ended up, he got handed the series and, you know, that was his baby for a long time. <laughs> so you've got to think, you know, I, I, I haven't met the Mancusos. I would love to meet the Mancusos. I do know a mutual contact who knows them. I would love to sit down and talk with them. And I hear some very funny stories about them. They're very Italian. Um, <laughs> so I'd really like to sit down with them and just kind of hang out and paisan out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I know, but I, I know you just asked about Sean, but it was, um, but it, there's definitely a few people left on the list to, that I want to meet. Yeah. Have, you've met CJ Graham, correct? Yeah, Mitch, it's, you know, I mean, I got, he stuck his fingers in my mouth for uh, <laughs> for 13th Fanboy. He gave me a fish hook. Uh, um, yeah, I met CJ uh, quite a few times. CJ was one of the earlier supporters of Never Hike Alone. Um, obviously, you know, him being friends with Tom, he was very supportive. Um, you know, I bumped into him over the years. Uh, you know, we see each other at conventions. We say hi, you know, him and his wife, Ruby. You know, we've all come to know each other over the years. So, it's yeah, you know, I've known CJ for, for I think, since 2000. 18. Okay. That's a pretty good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what would you say, what is your advice for someone who is wanting to start getting into filming or podcasting or writing a book, anything like that? Just what, what would you say is your best advice? I would say you just have to do it, but you have to realize that when you're getting into it, you don't know what you don't know. So don't, and I think, I wish I would tell this myself. I mean, you have to have a little bit, you have to be a little naive because once you go through and actually do it, you start to realize like if you knew how much work was really involved to get it to the level that you want it to be, if you told yourself on that in day one of what you assume it would be, you probably wouldn't even pick up. You'd be like, you know what? I think I'll just keep living my life. Yeah. Um, You really have to be ready for it to take over, especially if it's something that you're really passionate about. Um, you got to be willing to do the work. You got to put in the extra hours. You got to make a lot of sacrifices. You can't, you can't make the film and have a full on social life. 
you know, going out every weekend. You can't like film and then go out at night. Like you're literally just like, where's, where's Vinny been for the last three months? Oh, every, every weekend he goes out to the forest and he's making his weird movie. You know what I mean? Like, and then one day you, you have to be okay with that because one day you show up and then all of a sudden all the answers of where have you been end up on screen. And, you know, I think for some people, depending on what their, what their expectations are, um, it could be either be, you know, the greatest achievement or a big letdown because, you know, they might have, you know, set their sights too high or, or right. maybe they didn't realize that this is what I could actually do. And I think that you have to really focus on like, what is my goal? Mm-hmm. What do I want to accomplish? And if you set a goal and a level of expectation, you just have to meet it. You have to keep going. Like you, it, you know, you have to keep going or you have to settle for, for what you've done, let it out and then learn from it and do better next time. And okay. so, um, you know, we do that with the never hike alone stuff. I mean, never hike alone was my first sort of big, big production. It was my second film that I ever directed, but I also came out of it with a lot of experience. Like, I think it's a very skewed, you know, it's a very skewed sort of, you know, look at the way that I did it in the sense of that I had, you know, film school. I also had eight years of working in the industry up until that point where I was working in very specific departments that helped me with being able to tell a story of that magnitude at that sort of direction, having access to the type of things that I had. Um, I think that, you know, I would say if anything, the first thing you want to do when you're getting into this, if you're just starting is start small. Mm-hmm try and do things that are like within your wheelhouse. Don't say like, I've never directed a movie before, but now I'm going to ask, you know, crowdfunding for $200,000 to make my first feature film. Yeah. You know, if you've never done a budget for a feature film before, if you've never done any of those things, you're going to be in for a very rude awakening. That's why I'm saying. You don't know what you don't know. So the best thing to do is start small. So you see it in a very palatable, you know, you can do it. You can do a five minute short. You know what I mean? You see what you get out of it and then you learn all your lessons and it doesn't cost you a lot of time or money. And then once you've learned those lessons and you feel like you can come up with something that's five minutes that looks cinematic. Okay. Now we'll jump up to 15 minutes. We'll jump up to 20 minutes and you start extending that out and putting in more days. Like never hike alone two was 16 days of shooting on set with a full on crew. Mm-hmm. Never hike in the snow was six. Never hike alone was probably 20 plus days of shooting, but only eight were with big crew. You know, the rest of it was five guys in the woods hanging out for the weekend, figuring out as we went. And that's what I'm saying. That was to us. That was our small package. We went out at the beginning, not with the sense of like, we want to go out this weekend, shoot something, release it next week and be famous. You know what I mean? Like it was, we're going to go out this weekend. We're going to rent a camera. We're going to see what the costume looks like on screen. We're going to see what this camp looks like on screen. We're going to see how the camera works. We're going to test different daylight, you know, sort of what happens when we film in the morning? What happens when we film it in the afternoon? What type of light are we getting in these sets? Doing all those things. Spending months testing before we even went out and shot something to actually go into the film. Mm-hmm. And not to say that we couldn't walk out that weekend with something that we could share something online, like a single shot or an image or things like that. But when you get into the sense of like, you're not in a rush. You're doing it because you have a love for it and you want it to match the vision that's in your head. You have to be willing to do the time and effort it does to do the pre-production to get that far and learn those mistakes. And the more you do that, now I'm, you know, I have multiple feature films under my belt working on those, multiple TV shows. You know, I've done 12 different productions for Wompstomp Films, whether it's one of our productions or we've been a co-producer, all those things. 
I've done it enough to now I've, I've, I can anticipate and I know I know what to expect. When you don't know what to expect, you just want to take your time. And the more you do it, the time frame of being able to do things shrinks and the expectations and all those things, they get lower and lower and lower. It becomes easier over time. So if you're just getting started, you just really have to be in the you have to be in the mood to forgive yourself a lot and you have to be in the mood to learn and you have to be in the mood to know that it's a long road to get to where you want to get to. If you have an aspirations to be somewhere and that's sort of what it is. It's like, why, you know, I've asked this, I, every time I sit down with somebody and we're going to do a film um, as a producer, I say, what do you want out of this? Do you just want to go out and have fun for the weekend and shoot something? It doesn't matter how it comes out. Or do you want it to be the thing that goes into the festival circuit? And then when it, the, your film comes up in the block, people will go, I remember that one. And so if you want to do that, that takes a little bit more time and that takes a little bit more care. Um, and, you know, it's not to say you can't like find lightning in a bottle every now and then, but I don't, I don't really have time to waste to be like, Oh, we're just going to have fun this weekend. And like, just see what we come with. Cause a lot of those times you don't come out with much, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you come away with, you know, just what you get, you get what you get. And right. I think for, you know, depending on what you're, your goals are i think you get what you get is fine if you have no aspirations in, in the industry but it, you know when you have aspirations to like move your career on you sort of got to look at this be like people are going to look at this and they're going to judge it so i got to make sure that this does something that makes them not want to flip past it <laughs> right yeah i know um because we've been doing our podcast now it's it'll be a year next month we start doing mm. it and we do have full-time jobs we both have full-time jobs but it is and this is actually my second podcast that i've started but um it, it's one of those you get what you put into it and the attitude that you take into it so if it's just a fun side project then it's mm -hmm. a fun side project but you know when you really sit down and think about where you want to be at a certain time mm -hmm. um you put more into it, you put, you know, a little more of yourself into it. So I, yeah, I think it has to be both too. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like if you, you know, you, you've got to have fun doing it first and right. then in the process of having fun doing it, you need to just look out and say like, okay, we're having fun, but you know what, this could be a little bit better. Yeah. So next time you go out you just make that little change and it's little incremental changes each time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually like it catches on. Eventually, all of a sudden, you find what you are, and then you go, oh, okay, it took me a while to discover this, but now that I did this, now I can replicate this. Yeah. But it took me all this time, and you got to kind of enjoy that part of the journey, and when you're not getting the returns that you want, or you're not getting the expectations that you want, like, there's things I did prior to Never Hike Alone that, you know, nobody really ever noticed, didn't really take off the way I wanted it to take off. Um, it took a long time to get there. Yeah. That's right. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, we've definitely morphed our... Um the way that we handle our podcast, it, it started out a totally different way and it's still, we've got different ideas for it going in the future. So um, we kind of, with it being called the retro club, we cover all sorts of movies from the eighties and the nineties, things we grew up with, but mm -hmm. I feel like we're definitely morphing it as we go. It's not perfect by any means. And we've got more ideas for it as, as time goes on. Yeah. yeah. And you get yeah. to experiment with those and see what works and, and what doesn't. And then, yeah, you know, and also, I and I hope that for you guys, it's something you guys enjoy doing together. Yeah, and that sort of becomes, you know, something to to do, and you know, you get to sit down and and talk to people who, you know, you get to ask them interesting questions about some of your favorite, you know, films and things like that, or you know, other other means of of media and things like uh, of that realm, um, mm -hmm. and enjoy the experience of it. Yeah. So, do you have any more questions, John? Yeah. 
like because I think I told you uh, there's other projects still coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, I have the other podcast that's getting ready. I don't know when, but it will be coming up. And I definitely want to have you on. Just yeah, totally. doesn't, have, doesn't even have to be about never hike alone. I will, just horror in general. When yeah, no, we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about horror in general, uh, Never Hike Alone, whatever whatever it is. Uh, you know, reviewing movies, things like that. Because, you know, I'm a big cinephile as well. Um, Same. Yeah. I do feel like, I do feel like you, at some point, you need to, it's something that's going on with like YouTube right now. You got to pick a lane. Like, if you spent your entire career being a critic on YouTube and all of a sudden you want to be a filmmaker, well, you should stop being a critic on YouTube and you should yeah. be a filmmaker. If you're going to sit out here and chastise people for the decisions they're making in movies and you're going to go and make a movie, well, I hope they come for you hard. I hope <laughs> they come for you real good. Um, you know, I, I, it's definitely, there's definitely a delineation. That's why I've never done like, I think if I ever did anything with films, I would never do critiques. I would do breakdowns of saying, yes. this is one of my favorite films ever. Let me show you why. Yeah. And then sort of break down all the great decisions that were made by all the people that were on set and see how, you know, a film is made type thing. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm happy to talk about films just as a fan about what I love and what I don't. But, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's so crazy, like this, like this aspect of, of YouTube, like they're not even filmmakers. They're just like YouTube <laughs> people who can now make movies because they've been critiquing movies for the last 10 years. It's yeah. crazy to me. There's, there's a big thing about that. Like, I think people forget that you start off a fan first mm-hmm. and now you have like the whole thing with Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, where uh, it stops being about the fun of watching the movie and it starts mm. being about what do I not like about the movie? And so people oh. are way too harsh on stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm very guilty of that. Um, I, I grew up during like the Plinkett reviews of the Star Wars, you know, yep. original. Th- I think everybody saw that when that sort of like, oh, it can be fun to really pick things apart and go crazy about it. And, you know, there was something to that. And I got to say, like, you know, a lot of what I did with Never Hike Alone came out of huge critiques that I had for Friday the 13th. I was just, you know, 2009 was a big letdown for me. Um, ever since Jason Goes to Hell, it's just been a big letdown. One film Dang. after the next. And now <laughs> that's my Jason too. X, I was able... Yeah, Jason X, I was able to enjoy it, but it wasn't the film I wanted to see. Freddy versus Jason, I've been waiting for that film for a long time, but that's not the Jason I wanted to see fight Freddy. Like, it's it was like a just, cartoon. Yeah, there's just certain things, there's just decisions that keep getting made that just keep getting further and further away from the Friday the 13th that I really wanted to see. And then with 2009, I thought that they were making the decisions of like, yes, they're now they're bringing back the elements that I want, but they didn't quite package that and, de- and, and deliver it to fans in a way that I felt that like really was satisfying, at least for me. And a lot of what came out of Never Hike Alone was me saying, this is what I want. This is what I want as a viewer. Like, and I'm not going to go online anymore. I'm not going to go to the forums and complain about it. And I'm not going to try to explain it in this 500 million word essay that I'm going to put into the forum and then get ripped apart by all these other geeks from all over the world that are just as geek. And I'm, I'm a geek just as much, you know what I mean? Just geeks right, flame warring right. with each other, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, and I can't come to bed. Someone's wrong on the internet. You know what I mean? Like one of those. Um, and I was just so sick and tired of trying to explain it. I just wanted to show people. And it started with coming up with Ghost Jason. It, then it turned into doing the short films and, and stuff like that. Um, and it was really just like, see, this is what it could be. I'm, I'm not going to explain it to you anymore. I'm going to show you. And luckily, you know, while I was flame warring with people on, you know, on, on Bloody <laughs> Disgusting and Friday the 13th franchise, 
I was also learning how to become a competent filmmaker. And I was sitting in rooms with very smart people listening and watching how it got done and then saying, okay, I've seen enough of this. I've taken enough notes for these people. I think I could do this on my own. Like this isn't as, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot to learn for filmmaking, but it's not entirely, it's not, it's not brain surgery. You know what I mean? Like if you've watched films and you understand some of the few simple rules that takes to take to, to make a film, you know, just about anybody could do it. It's just about paying attention and under, and having, I think the thing that people need to have right is like self-control. It's like, now that I'm running the show, I'll just do whatever I want type thing. I think you yeah. really got to yeah. have this sense of like, okay, there's a reason why, you know, you, they don't do 50 million shots in one scene. Like I, I, you know, I only have so much time to shoot. So you got to start thinking in a very, in a, in a very smart way. And I think that sometimes, especially in a lot of the f- fan films that I see, like people just try to put too much, yeah. too many <laughs> ideas. Get right into one thing, right into one thing with no reason. Yeah, there's just sort of like there's not a, there's not a centralized sort of story that's going on. It's just oh wait, I just want all the things that I want in there, and they kind of put it in there, and they lose focus of like what they're like. Sometimes really good concepts that sort of fall to the wayside, and then the ones that really work well are the ones that stick to a very simple concept and follow it all the way through, and um, and try not to do too much, try not to add too much, try not to go too big and too bold, but stick within you know stick within the lines. Like the minute you start to do something that, that you kind of feel the edge of your film, like, okay, this doesn't feel like a film anymore. It, feel, it feels like a, a, a film. It feels like a student project. You know what I mean? And then you start to, yeah. you know, the wheels start to fall off a little bit or like your idea doesn't quite match your budget. So, you know, you're supposed to be filming in this big, you know, facility, but it looks like a white walled sort of like stage and no one's going to believe that you are where you are. You have to be able to, with film, you have to be able to create the suspension of disbelief. You need to get people to actually believe that your characters are in the places where they are. And if you can't sell that, it's going to be hard for people to buy into your story because they're going to be so, it's just, there's something that they, you, it's like, you know, it's just like any, like if you go to a play and there's no props, it's sort of, you got to imagine the rest of it and you have to do most of the work. Um, That's what's so, so fun about horror. Yeah. You get a lot of those characters where you get a little bit about them. So you kind of feel connected to them in some way. And then when they go, you're like, oh, it sucks to see them go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and you, but at the same time, like as you're watching a movie, it, it's like a ride. It's like being on a roller coaster and you need to keep people engaged. You're going to make them feel like they're on the ride and you're going to make them actually forget that they're on it. They forget that there's dips and twists and turns. You know, you got to get them you, like I always say, like, it, it's always the lean effect. It's like how how far are people leaning forward in their chair when they're watching your movie? Like, are they relaxed, waiting for the next thing to happen? Or are they sitting forward, engaged? What's going to happen next? What's going on here? What, what's what's going on? Like, how how is this going to go? You know what I mean? This is getting tense. Like, oh, you know what I mean? You want people engaged in that way. And when you get people leaning back and getting a little bit too comfy and sort of they're on their phone all of a sudden, then, you know, you've lost them. So, you know, if in, in, so when you're making a film, you really have to look at like with the resources that you have, how can you use like resources that you have? How can you use those around you to, to give the illusion that you have more money? And a set is one of the first places that you can get that. If you can get something for free, if you can find a place for free, if you can find something that's affordable, but something that's tangible and real, all of a sudden your real characters are in a real place telling a real story. And that's, that's a big part of it. And I would say that's, that's a good use of advice is like, if you're going to, if you're going to be starting off 
and you don't know really what to do. You don't know what story you have, like the story that you wrote, that's got all these like, you know, what would take like a $500 million budget in Hollywood. Like, yeah, that's a great script, but what can you make with no money? You know, what can you make with something like, oh, my uncle owns a barn. Okay. Write a film for that barn. Oh, actually, you know, I know this old abandoned prison that's like in the back, you know, the backwoods of this town. Write to that prison. But also think about how am I getting lights out there? How am I going to get, you know, where are people going to go to the bathroom out there? Stuff like that. Well, I can only shoot out there for one day. Okay, I got to write something that fits within one day of shooting. So that's the way to sort of think about it. It's like, what's at my resources? Can I film there comfortably? And can I get the equipment there to make it look good? If I can do all of those things, all right, let me write to that. Let me write to what I already have versus having to come up with a bunch of stuff out of thin air that's going to take a bunch of time and money and effort that's going to take way even more time. After you've done a couple of the ones where you can kind of pull the things together that you need, after a long time, then you start getting the thing. Okay, now I know who can call to get this and that and blah, blah, blah. And we'll all coordinate, make the bigger projects because you're used to it by then. But it's start. Just use what's in front of you and, and make the best use of it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I don't know if you have any more questions. I do, but I think it's going to need another episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess I'll ask a, a random question since we talked a lot about movies and stuff. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're much of a reader, but I've got... Uh, a segment where I actually take movies or uh, books that have been adapted into movies and kind of compare the two. So what are you currently reading? Or if you're not currently reading something, what would you say your favorite book is? That's going to be my random question. Ooh, um, mm. She asked well, me that. I couldn't answer it. Yeah, no, my favorite book ever is uh, this book called Happiness by Will Ferguson. It's about a self-help book that ruins the world because it actually works mm. okay um <laughs> uh, it's it's it, i swear to god will ferguson has only written this book other than like hockey guides it's like his only foray into into like fiction uh -huh. so it was really um it's really interesting um it's it's it, that's a lot of fun read another favorite of mine is sirens of titan by kurt vonnegut but if you're talking about books that get turned into movies my favorite book is first blood oh okay. rambo <laughs> yes the so, book compared to the movie is insane it's so yes, scary. and that is the movie that if if I could pick another franchise to work on, that mm -hmm. if I can go back and start from the beginning and go off the book, I want to I want to remake First Blood as the traditional First Blood, mm -hmm. um, and just make that movie. I think that that would or or make that a seven ten part miniseries that just keeps yeah. bouncing back and forth between Teasel and Rambo. Yeah, every episode you know what i mean just like the book mm -hmm. does that's one thing i liked about the book was you know at the beginning is pretty much from rambo's perspective and sort of kind of tells it from him and then it's at, at a certain point it branches off and in one chapter you're in teasel's point of view and you're getting to understand that like yeah maybe rambo is an asshole and then you're in rambo's point of view and you're like ah teasel's an asshole and then it gets to that midpoint sort of like whoa now they're both assholes and no one's really a, a hero here yeah. this is just an insane situation that that keeps getting worse and worse and worse and the way it kind of catapults the way they push rambo into doing all those different things like you know in the film, they really tamp down Rambo's effectiveness and the fact that, like, in the book, Rambo's murdering people, like, mm -hmm. left and right. And in order to remain a hero in the films in the 80s, Rambo couldn't kill anybody. The only person he kills in the in, in the film is by accident because he's being shot at. And the, right. you know, what does he throw a rock at the, at helicopter. The, uh, <laughs> the helicopter and it swerves and the guy falls out? Not really his fault. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I was, I was actually just re- 
I actually just had first blood on tape because I was doing a long drive. So I was listening to the audio book again, but yeah, I mean, when that guy's cutting his hair in the book, he slices that dude's bellies open and his guts are falling out and he ends up dying there in the police office in right. the police uh, station. So there's that. I would love, I love first blood. I think that's one of the coolest books ever. Um, so I'd say, yeah, those three sirens of Titan and, uh, and happiness and first blood are, are my favorites. Nice. I actually do have a. I actually do have a question. Okay. Outside of and uh, Ender's Game too. Ender's Game is a big favorite. Okay. Well. Yeah. 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 See, I've gotten into splatterpunk. I don't know if you've read it. Oh. I don't know. It's a. It's a fun genre. <laughs> um, mm. def- a lot of body horror things like that. Mm. Some of it. I don't know. I'm into it to an extent, but then there's some books. I'm like, why did you write that? <laughs> so I don't know. I'm reading Tender as the Flesh right now, which cannibalism cool. is now. Uh, legalized because all animals have been infected with a virus so yeah it's a weird that's interesting i'm almost done with it so we'll see how it ends up (laughs) okay it's outside of uh being a cinephile you're a big sports guy too aren't you yeah to i would say that okay (laughs) so you being from that part of the new england states did you grow up a patriots fan I did grow up a Patriots fan. Actually, growing up, I actually grew up a big fan of Dan Marino because he wore 13. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was a big Dan Marino was. fan. Yeah, I was yes. a big Dan Marino fan, number 13. Um, you know, and, and the because the, the Patriots were sort of there. So it wasn't like I was rooting for the Patriots to win, but they were never winning. So it was just sort of right. like, okay, I have my team, but who do I get to root for that's actually like in the hunt? And of course, I was rooting for Dan Marino and he never made it. Um <laughs> But yeah, Dan Marino, and then um, I was a big Saints fan too. There's something about the Saints and them wearing bags on their head that I just thought was <laughs> hilarious. So I really like the Saints. I just like the colors too, the black and the gold. But yeah, big big Patriots fan. Obviously, like I I was coming up. Uh, you know, I had just gotten into high school, or no, I was it was my senior year of high school when that whole thing went down with you know Tom Brady and winning the mm-hmm. Super Bowl and all of those things. And I was playing football at the time, and it was just. You know, their whole like motto from the beginning of like playing as a team, they came out of the Super Bowl as a team. They didn't even get in- individually introduced. There's just something about that. I, I just glommed onto that sort of ride and, you know, it was very much rewarded um, as a fan for the, you know, the 20 something years that Tom Brady was in the league and, you know, led the team. And it was it's been a fun run. Who knows what they're going to do this year? Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with Bill, Bill O'Brien uh, mm-hmm. as an OC. Um, they have some cool weapons. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at some of these rookie receivers that have come in uh, as hopefully maybe we got like the diamond in the rough this year. We got one of those, uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a tough uh, AFC East this year. That's for sure. And Tom Brady's whole legacy rides off of uh, one play that came from my team. The tough oh, are you the Raiders? Yeah. I've, I've uh, rooted for the bad guys my whole life. I'm sorry, man. Well, hey, you got Jimmy, Jimmy G. Yeah. Who knows what Jimmy G is going to bring this year? I, I'm sorry about Josh McDaniels. In fact, yeah. I've never been a Josh McDaniels fan. I haven't either. Uh, I was glad so, the Broncos got him. Yeah, no, I'm sorry you guys have him because he's just he's overcomplicated. He overcomplicates <laughs> everything. Um, it was yeah, we we always knew that it was Tom out there doing all the work. I don't, I don't yeah. know about Josh. I think Josh is getting a lot of a lot of credit. I think everyone's like, oh, you know, Bill gets all the credit for blah blah. blah. I was like, no, no Josh McDaniels is the one who gets all the credit for Tom Brady's work. Bill was still building the defenses and building the teams around Tom. Yeah. And he's the one who gave Tom a job. So, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's the one who made the decision. So he gets to benefit from all those rewards. Josh benefited from the fact that 
Tom was learning from Bill and he was running that offense. And as soon as you took Tom out of that system, it kind of works. But if you don't have that type of guy running it, like that's the thing. And maybe he can do it with Jimmy G because Jimmy G picked up on it really, really well when he was in New England. But I just don't see Josh McDaniels, the leader of men, you know, I mean, out I'm... on the football field. <laughs> I don't think anyone really takes him all that seriously, or maybe they do. I'm, uh, I don't know. But like for me as, as, a, as a spectator, I've never been a huge Josh McDaniels fan. No, I think he's been more under, he was more under the thumb of Belichick. Like Belichick was able to just keep him literally in check. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those decisions like he would come up with, I think Tom Brady would just change on the fly. Because, I mean, you can't win seven Super Bowls and just just be a mediocre guy. And just I know, and there probably could have been, and honestly, there probably would have been more in there if Josh wasn't there calling these weird plays sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is he calling out there? Um <laughs> I don't know. So maybe, maybe it was Tom. You never know. You never know unless you're there. It's obviously it's a team effort, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I don't, I, I, I was actually that the tuck rule game, I was actually doing an internship at Fox sports in new England. Wow. And we were all watching him at on like five different screens and everybody in the newsroom was like, that was a fumble. That was, <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? We we're like watching like the interviews afterwards. And I was like, no, that wasn't a fumble. It was definitely throwing the ball. <laughs> but yeah it's pretty and it is it's pretty crazy that, that all off of that ended up being the, the thing that sent us yeah. to the one thing went one way the other went the other way <laughs> I know. all right oh, well i know we've told you about an hour of your time but thank you oh for, that's fine I, I, don't, I don't mind for hanging out and talking and we look forward to the movie coming out october 13th i know i'm so excited for part two yeah that tommy versus jason like just the posters got me high thank you um, yeah, if I could just real quick, just reminding your viewers that uh, the Never Hike Alone 2 Indiegogo is still going on right now and will be open all the way up until the film is released and all the way past the release. Um, okay. Credits will probably close around September 20th. So if you want to get your name in the film, you got to get back the, you got to bank, back the campaign now. Um, we're also running a special raffle. So there are four different perks that are called the Tommy versus Jason, Jarvis versus Jason perks. Mm-hmm. So there's the $150 bundle that's our top uh perk it's our featured perk on the campaign right now Mm -hmm. that will get you five entries into a raffle to become an executive producer on the show and walk away with tommy jarvis's shotgun the screen shotgun they use in the film so you get a a special edition blu-ray you get a special edition eight by tens that are signed by me and tom and a special edition 11 by 17 poster if you don't want to put 150 bucks in for 50 dollars, you can pick one of those three so you can get the poster the special edition poster signed by me and tom eight by ten signed by me and tom or the blu-ray signed by me and tom okay um those get you one entry in, into the uh into the raffle so those are those are all there we also have lots of other great things um you know old you know never hike alone blu-rays never hike in the snow blu-rays ghost cut blu-rays uh all sorts of posters um you know, there's also a hack that I could tell your your listeners about. Um, if you get the uh, the camper pack, which is our usual bundle, camper pack bundle, uh, it comes with you know original Never Hiking Alone Blu-ray posters, uh, pins, T-shirt, whole bunch of stuff. If you get that, there's there's an option in the checkout to add the Jarvis versus Jason bundle upgrade to your purchase, which brings it to about the same price of what you would have paid for a Jarvis versus Jason bundle anyway. So you get all of those things the five entry raffle tickets and the camper pack all in one package and you may become an EP. So it's a really good value. I would say if someone has that type of cash to, to want to get into the film, we'll do that. Um, 
once the credit will draw that name sometime probably around September 20th because we had a closed credit to get it, to get it into the final film. Right. After that, after we close credits, um, you'll still be able to get Blu-rays, you'll still be able to get posters, most of the things from the campaign, but the campaign is going to simplify down to just basically become a home video campaign at that point. Um, but fans are definitely going to want to get their name in the back end of this film. Trust me, this has been a culmination of over seven years, eight years of hard, hard work lots of fun surprises for people and you know i think when friday the 13th fans turn around in 10 20 years and look at the gap between 2009 and you know when crystal lake the tv series comes out or the next friday the 13th comes out they're going to talk about these fan films and they're going to talk about never hike alone and you can either have or have not the bragging rights to say well yeah my name's in the back of one of those so definitely jump on the back and and help us out that we really appreciate it you can Find all that information at Womp Stomp Films on social media, W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S. We're on Instagram, Facebook, X, Twitter, TikTok. Yeah. Uh, what's the new thing that uh, Meta released? Um, oh. I don't know. The new Twitter, whatever that thing yeah. is. Yeah. Threads, yeah. threads or yeah, whatever. Threads, yeah. uh, we're all over the place. Obviously, we're on YouTube. If you haven't seen our films yet, all of our stuff's on YouTube for free. No ads. Just you can go out and watch it. We don't we don't need to get ad revenue from this stuff. They're all fan films. And we have original stuff on there as well. So definitely check out all of our channels uh, there as well. Cool. Yeah. Thank you again. I know we'll definitely be reaching out, I'm sure, for, in the future for more interviews or just catch yeah. up. I'd love to do a book to, you know, book to film uh, review or anything like that. If you, if you guys are just talking about films in general, I'd love to come on and talk about them. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's awesome that a fan is actually taking care of a character that because, I mean, ultimately, Jason's a mama's boy. <laughs> and that's probably the coolest thing about Jason. Like that never gets to shine. And I'm glad that someone that's an actual fan, because I could tell right away you took care of it from four to six. And those movies never get roped into the same thing with Tommy. It's either you mm-hmm. like the Tommy from four, the Tommy from five, or the Tommy from six. Put them all together. <laughs> yeah. Put them all together in one scene, really, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. At the beginning, of Never Hike Alone 2. But there's definitely a lot of that. I think if you those couple of elements you just mentioned right there, you're really going to enjoy Never Hike Alone 2. Cool. Yes. All right. Thanks for right. taking care of all, t- taking care of the Jason. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Anytime. Happy to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with us. And we'll be talking to you soon, probably. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, well, that was our interview. Um, We're really uh, excited. We were happy that we were able to get this interview together with Vin. Uh, I know he's got a lot going on, especially with the new Never Hike Alone 2 coming out here in a little over a month time. Yeah. So uh, thankful he was able to take some time out of his day to talk to us. And... uh, yeah, I mean, maybe definitely we'll be looking at something in the future, getting some more interviews like this. Yeah, he was so cool to interact with. So doing stuff in the future with him is going to be, uh, I think, a really good step for us. Well, not just for Vin. I mean, like, at this rate, I think we could even venture out now and well, look for... Just I'm not going to put it out there, but we have a couple other ones that are kind of in the works. So just yeah. be looking out for those. So thank you, Vin, for being our first, uh, our guinea pig for an interview. I know we were a little, maybe a little rusty, but uh, <laughs> we'll get better. And uh, hopefully you guys like this. I know it's it's different, uh, but it was a lot of fun for us, um, especially for our horror fans. I feel like this was definitely a nice look into the mind behind someone who 
has actually been a part of the horror community in such a intimate way. Yeah, and really, it, this was what we wanted to do uh, more on the horror side of stuff for a little bit because we had Halloween right around the corner, and you know we have so much more in the pipeline. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll definitely link all of Womp Stomp's uh, website, their giveaway, everything that Ben talked about their tour at the, the end there. We'll make sure to get all of that added. And I guess we'll see you guys next week on our regular scheduled episode. Yeah. So in the meantime, please visit our Patreon and check out all of our online stuff. Yes, ours too. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's nice to check out theirs. but Make sure you get online and check all of his stuff out because he has a lot going on. And Jordan says hi. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Cover art is by Megan Harris. Research is by John and Megan Harris. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Slasher at Retro Club Pod. Or visit our website at RetroClubPod.com for episode information and more. You can listen to The Retro Club on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and more. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, or we'll find you.